preview of coming attractions. And then there is the leader of human resistance who takes bunch of scavengers and turns them into a militia. Your womb is a weapon and we need to protect it or otherwise humanity will not prevail. Yeah, oh my god, plot twist. It's not your womb, it's you. You are the feather leader, just like John Connor in Terminator 2. Emotional speech about how I met you in the future and you oh were this great military leader and you can do this, blah 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 blah. Once again, desire is irrelevant. I am a machine. And I vividly remember that it's that moment when I burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Flick Lab. I know I'm lame. I cannot self-terminate. Well, that's perfectly okay. In keeping with today's theme, neither can this bloody franchise. And from all of things that should self-terminate, this franchise most definitely, most definitely should. Yeah. Well, my co-host right there, he's from Finland. He's my buddy Henrik. Happy to be here. Happy air quotation mark. <laughs> that sounded a little bit like, yeah, happy to be here. It's episode <laughs> 150 something. Let me out. <laughs> more, more like, more like, it's going to be more Terminator today. Yeah. Yeah, this is the kind of film podcast where the term international cinema is a cinnamon, synonym for American action trash. <laughs> well, well. Past two episodes have been nice to God art house film. Oh my it's god. Been... Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. We it's... we needed something to cleanse the palate <laughs> after after Satan Tango. So we decided to land uh, back on the good old comfortable action trash from America. And now we regret that. Yeah. Yeah, we're both from Finland, so yeah, we have an accent. But fear not, we have studied some media. Henrik has been busy with some work projects related to AV, audiovisual, and, well, I haven't done much on that field in a long time, but I'm sure that when Henrik is a famous director, we will do that movie, right? 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 <laughs> Any day, though. Just, just give me a budget and a camera crew. There you go. Yeah, so... We go all over the place, whether it's Malian art cinema about some ritually sacrificed chickens or dangerous Finnish bunny rabbits or Arnold in this case. Um, do we have any housekeeping or let's just r jump right into it? I guess we can just jump straight into it. So, to anyone who did not notice the, the episode title nor the thumbnail... Today we are revisiting the Terminator franchise for the third time in the podcast's history. And in today's episode we are <coughs> taking a look of all the rest of the major features in the franchise. We are not tackling with Sarah Connor, uh, Connor Chronicles, because nobody remembers that one. <laughs> Should we and, cover it? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of already drawing the line, not gonna touch that one, not gonna touch any more Terminator stuff. <laughs> And uh, under the same bus also goes the Maxima movie that preceded Salvation. Or if Curry has seen it, you know, Curry can voice his opinions about that one. 
I didn't even bother. No, we have covered before Terminator 2, and with that we we did cover. I think I think we did cover pretty well the Terminator 2 3D, and and then we went on and discussed the first Terminator, and now we're finally here to to discuss what we in most cases dis- describe as the fall of the franchise. Yeah, we everybody do. describes this time period as the fall of the franchise. The same well, way as, as, you know, Judgment Day usually is, is seen as the crown jewel of Terminator films. Yeah. Rightfully so, let me add. Yeah, when I thought about it, actually, how the films are structured, what, what are the, um, the, the acts of the first Terminator for the second Terminator, I have to admit that, yeah, when I think about it, at least in those very technical terms terminator 1 is uh yeah if you excuse the the expression is beautifully executed movie in the way that oh my god the contrast in the character development is insane that there's a character that comes from a background of of nothing is a waitress and is suddenly like the the biggest female action hero of the following 20 years or something like that so that was a big deal well anyway yeah in in the first terminator we have Fallen in love, time traveler who wins over the disbelieving waitress, but then she she is actually a woman warrior. And Terminator 2, there Sarah kind of needs to learn more about Terminators, and via that she finds meaning in her life. Uh, and in in some kind of a different way, there's John who also needs to be convinced of what is going on, like what is all this Terminator stuff around me. And he also is uh, the kind of MacGuffin, not only by virtue of the task of to, to protect him, but he also provides clues on the way and leads people to the next places. He comes up with these this, these notions that, oh my god, yes, he's she's gonna nail Dyson. Come on, let's go. Let's move the story along. Come on. And now we are at Rise of the Machines, where things get more interesting, or not. We have Kate Brewster's character, which is a repetition of Linda's role in T2, essentially. You go, what the hell are you? What What are all these creatures around me? And I don't believe a word you say. And it's also less engaging. We don't really care about this character. I, I don't care about this character, for my part. That, actually, like, that experience, that is the whole franchise in a nutshell. Oh, yeah. Like, like here, here's spoilers. Spoilers for the, for the entire episode. The whole franchise... Not in counting salvation, it's just the same bloody movie. Time after time after again. Like it's the same plot is just being rehashed. And the same character beats are actually being rehashed. Every yeah. single time you have the character I don't believe what's going on, what what, what Terminator is some asshole explains why it's judgment day. Yeah. They're, 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 oh my god, some AI sends a killer robot from the future and Resistance sends a protector because, you know, the fated Resistance and, and the Bastion of Humanity, something, something, took scavengers and turned them into a militia, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's it's same shit every single goddamn time. And I, I have an inkling feeling that this is, this is like one point that we get repeatedly back in today's episode. Yeah. Because the further you get in the line of these movies, the more and more it just starts to like piss you off. And the more tired you just get these movies. There's something going on for Terminator 3. Well, let's say that John Connor's arc, it's about overcoming, kind of being the off-grid, depressed, vagabond guy who needs some kind of a animal medication pills and 
to finally become the great military leader. So, so, and also in many ways, T3 feels merely like an appetizer for something bigger to come. And that was the case. It was supposed to be a part of a trilogy, like every single of these Every movies. single sequel. <laughs> every single one of them. They, they just try to get a trilogy off the ground. Like, Thomas, the, fuck me. These, these sequels, honest to God, they are like Terminators. <laughs> they, they are like Terminators. They just keep yeah. coming back. They keep trying to do the same goddamn thing. Terminator, every single time Terminator comes back from the future, tries to kill the future leader of the Resistance, John Connor, in some form, be that the womb, the sperm, or a little kid, or a grown-ass man. They try to do it every single time. They they fuck it up for being things code and like virtually the media already made this joke but you know to be things called terminator they are like bafflingly bad in executing what they are attempting to do they are more like trinators and that's yeah. that's these films also <laughs> they try to get a trilogy off the ground and every single time it falls flat on its face on the final third of the of the exercise or or the fir- first movie in in the fabled new trilogy it's it's a like it's it's almost like breaks my heart sad to to see all of this attempt to get a trilogy going on and just failing miserably constantly and the franchise can't can't like a, like a take a hint M- much like Skynet much like Terminators who just you repeat the same plan and see it fail time after time again also the franchise like. It just can't take the hint that don't try to do trilogy. Yeah, I'm in the apology camp that says that all this was all planned because, Henrik, these are all, at least, you know, it fits the case. These are all deleted timelines, you know, it's a reboot every time. Well, well, once again, once again, we we, we have, when it comes to sequels, we, we have like like the shining beacon, and I lose the, use this ter- term extremely loosely, which would be salvation, which tries to do many things at the same time. God <laughs> bless its heart for the attempt. Nothing came out of it, and I'm not saying it's a good film, but there's some honest to God attempt. There, there is. Unlike perhaps with Terminator Three. Yeah, <laughs> there, there is something, and like you said, it just baffles me regarding like how, how you have the source material. There's a lot to take in from there, and there is nothing that comes even remotely close to what James Cameron had in the two first ones. And of course I had, I understand you need to reinvent something. You need to have some new characters, but goddamn, where are the new storylines? And it's becoming so pathetic at some point with the repetition of these lines that it's literally just repetition of lines, stealing lines directly from Terminator 1 and Terminator 2, and often from Linda Hamilton's lines, the future's not set, or the Terminators destroyed everyone August 29th, 1997, uh, while well, using the same lines from the beginning of the T2, and it's a sequel after a sequel, it's just, I mean, why you don't need to do these callbacks all the time? But that's just the thing. Uh, I actually differ on my opinion with you. Like, I, 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 I had been suspecting this one ever since I, or, or you know, 
Ever since I, for the third time, I, I had watched both both the original two films, and I noticed that those, like, like, like even those movies, they, they actually, like, like repeat the, the same plot construction. There's a killer robot, there's the chosen protector, uh, action stuff happens, they try to so- somehow, you know, save John Connor in some form. Uh, uh, Terminator 2 and Terminator 1 still had enough different things. Mm-hmm in them that the, it, it wasn't a problem like in Terminator 2 they send more advanced Terminator back in time and the resistance sends a good Terminator that's that's something that you didn't see in the first movie that the dynamic is the same you have a killer robot and you have a protector but now protector is a robot so it's kind of a new thing and in the first one the attempt to protect John Connor was well, we have to get, keep the womb alive and the sperm alive for X amount of time in in Terminator 2, the the Protect John Connor thing comes down into we have to take down Skynet before it even gets gets created, and we have to attack the the tech firm and blow that to hell. Ba- basically, the core idea: John Connor in some form has to be protected because you know the fa- the future resistance, but it was different enough. It it didn't bother you. Besides, the action speeds are kick ass enough that. Like, it's, it's not a problem. Both films are still great. But I actually don't believe <clears throat> that outside of that, there really is that much anything, that there's material in Terminator franchise. Yeah. Like, like the things that have been established, the cornerstone things that you have. You, you of course, you have the backdrop of the future war, but that's just a backdrop. No, no, nothing has ever truly been explained in the first two films about that war. John Connor in the future very much is just a backdrop. When it comes to the like like the core cornerstone things in Terminator, you basically you have only only four things. You have a killer robot that's been sent back in time. You have a protector sent by the resistance. You have the whole we we have to protect John Connor in some form. And then you have, like, question of is fate set or not, essentially. But, like, I honestly, I don't, I don't think that there is, right out of the package, there would be that many, like, that much material to craft, like, new stories. You would kind of have to brave to take a, a step up away from Terminator 1 and 2 in order to find a new storyline in the Terminator universe. Um, there was one critic I did I tell you about it even also anyway uh it went more or less like this that terminator 2 made the made the life of the follow-ups very difficult because it terminator 2 essentially ended ended the the storyline and that's Mm -hmm. very much true there was not supposed to be sequels in the mind of james cameron at least um gail and hurt maybe had different ideas the producer partner at the time but essentially the comments from cameron uh, back in 1991 after the release of the movie was that yeah i think that's it he did have some idea that he might come back later um there were some discussions about it around when he was making titanic 1996 1997 but he was busy with titanic and there were some issues with the uh, um uh, funding with the studios and uh, getting all the pieces uh, together and also some really starkly contrasting uh, 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 descriptions of how the the discussions went with Cameron. Cameron was in the discussions to to make the Terminator 3 movie, but 
then he seemed to step down out of not having enough interest. He was kind of disinterested. There were multiple parties at play, and he thought that, you know, somebody else should take the helm. Uh, but then when the rights did go to Kassar et al., then the comment that was heard from Cameron's direction was that, that you really took away my baby but so therefore he didn't really want to do want to be in any um involvement with that movie because it was it was already in different hands and you know why to uh, participate in a project that you basically owned basically made from the ground up and now it's somebody else's under somebody else's control so yeah there's different versions of this what the hell happened in the late 90s but nevertheless it wasn't to be Cameron's project. It was directed by Jonathan Musto. And there's a lot of problems with these bankruptcies <laughs> throughout the franchise. My goodness, it's it's such a, such a mess. Not Let's not deep dive too much into it. But yeah, the Terminator 3 storyline was supposed to continue with two movies. But then there, there was a bankruptcy of the studio. The C2 Pictures. And then the rights just went on to the next party and salvation the fourth one wasn't as successful as it was supposed to be and so the rights of terminator were sold once again and they tried again with genesis and that also didn't quite work but hey let's try with cameron as the producer at least one more time and oh hey it didn't work but gotta admit as well that these budgets of these movies are way out of hand like the latest one, Terminator Dark Fate. What was it? It was clearly over. Was it over 160 million dollar yeah, mark? Was it closer to like like 200. To like yeah, probably closer to 200. And, and didn't even break even. It was a complete. It, it was a complete bomb at the box office. Oh, did you, did you know that for uh, the character of TX, they were also considering people like Famke Janssen and Vin Diesel. Mm. I, I heard the rumors, and, like, what it's worth, I I know everybody always hates Christiana Loken for her performance as, as TX, and I don't think that she's as bad as people may, make it out to be. She's not great, and you can say that she does not pull, pull it off. I would say that the main problem there is that she puts too much emotion and too much sexy into her performance as, as as a Terminator. Like, everybody always, always says, and uh, this is something, I oh, we have already voiced this point out in, when we were talking about Terminator 2 way back when, but people al- always make the argument that it must be super easy to, to play Terminator, because you are supposed to be, like, like unfeeling, uncaring, ki- killing machine. So, it, it doesn't require anything from you you, you don't have to show any e- expression. You are just stone-faced all the time. So it ha- has to be like easiest performance in, in the world. And I'm not saying it's it's the hardest possible performance. I'm not saying that playing something like Terminator is, is as hard or harder than, you know, give, to give out a super emotional performance. But playing an unfeeling machine for a human, it's actually a surprisingly hard thing to do. I, honest to God, I, I do applaud Schwarzenegger and Robert Patrick for their performances in, in the first two films. Like, like to ki- give you give you a frame here, convincingly playing 
a robot. For a human being, it's such a hard thing that when Peter Weller was, was playing Robocop in, in the first two Robocop movies, when it came to like body movement and how Robo, Robocop turns his hip and stuff like that, he actually had a dance, da- professional <clears throat> dancer as an as a aide. And together they crafted like like a whole choreography simply for how Robocop is supposed to move. It's unnatural for a human to to act like a robot. So it actually does take some some talent or at least hard work to pull it off convincingly. And the one number one problem with Logan is that she can't pull it off. There are too much like human like moments. In her performance, like, like a like a good example at the veterinary clinic in the beginning of the film, uh, but she spots the, the like puddle of blood on the on, on the floor and runs a DNA analysis. A text takes some blood on her fingertip and asks John Connor, licks the finger, yeah, and lifts her head just just a little tilt, just a little lift, and says no. And there's just a little bit too much human in that no. It should have been even more robotic. Robotic, And that's kind of, like, that, to me, that's that's why Logan... Like, I'm, I'm not saying she's as bad as everybody makes makes it out to be. I don't say that she's the worst Terminator in this, in this bloody franchise. But that, for me, is the reason why her performance does not work. And to one, once again, to highlight how hard, goddamn hard this is to do... Even goddamn Schwarzenegger himself starts to fuck this up uh, more and more as the franchise goes on. Like, oh, really? Even even Schwarzenegger fails to actually do <clears throat> as good job as T eight hundred as he did in the first two films. There's just too much human humanity also in in his performance, starting from Terminator three and ending with Dark Fate. You have like a, like a raising spike of of how much humanity there is in Schwarzenegger's performance, and the more there is, the more less convincing he is as a Terminator. Kinda, I did notice that very much, especially in in Dark Fate. But when you kind of put these movies on onto a timeline, and and I also start to care less and less about it because also the plots are giving more breathing room for Arnold to be something else as a, as a Terminator. As you know, he, he's just a, just a working man on, on a farm and, and uh, has learned the human emotions for the last 20, 30 years. So I guess he's supposed to perform differently, but it, yeah, it, yeah, it's... He, yeah. He's, yeah, he's stepped that for two bloody th- times in this franchise. Yeah. And, and also the whole, whole thing how... Well, repeatedly in these movies, he somehow just learns like like the whole concept of humanity. In in Genesis, it's not se- stated outright, but you kind of can see it in in the chemistry he's supposed to have with Sarah Connor. That like being the stepdad to to Sarah has somehow made him more human. He has he has it has given him uh, not necessarily a soul but some type of a concept of of being a human. And then in Dark Fate, this is an actual plot point that gets stated out directly. Yeah. And this was supposed to be like the culmination point in 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 Judgment Day. Like the whole yeah. movie, John Connor is supposed to teach Schwarzenegger how like, like some kind of a like like a, even even a symbol like like a taste of humanity. And and then the big payoff is at the end of end of uh, of the film when when the Terminator realizes why humans cry. 
and yeah. realizes that that he cannot cry. And did I miss something? How is the killer Terminator in in Dark Fate then uh, able to learn? Because at least in Terminator Two, he was supposed to be, you know, you need to you need to kind of reset reset the system so that he can be a, a learning computer. <laughs> but you know, I guess something. Yeah, to... I mean, uh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody cries. We we also cried the, about this one when we, we did the the previous two episodes. Like the whole point that Terminator is supposed to be an infiltration <coughs> unit, and these guys can't infiltrate anything else except Home Depot's hardware department. But oh my god, now that they 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 like like. In his later sequels, they kind of actually managed to make the Terminators to be convincing infiltrators. Because they can have these micro-expressions and and pull them off, etc., etc. But at the same time, you know, the, the whole idea that you are supposed to feel that these Terminators are somehow alienating and they are menacing, it just gets kind of brought down the more human they become. Yeah. In the previous episodes, I constantly raised the issue uh, that they had to replace Edward Furlong's character many, 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 many times. The different actor as John Connor. So, and what do you think about Nick Stahl's performance now in Terminator 3 since we've seen it now? I don't love it. Uh, I don't think it's it's like a, not necessarily a flaming dumpster fire, but I do think it's pretty bad. I do believe that recasting Furlong was the correct choice to make. I, I say this as a person who has se- seen mm-hmm. a later career Edward Furlong performances, because, for example, Crow, the wicked player, Jesus Christ. But, so, so you know, I, I don't think that Furlong should have been forcibly kept with the franchise. But when it comes to the recastings, it's, it's kind of a, like... Every time is a gamble. Sometimes you get a better John Connor. Here you land with Nick Stahl, and it's just not good. Yeah, yeah. There, there's something missing, and maybe Nick Stahl was chosen for a more uh, uh, lighter comedic role here, as we see that it's 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 very jokey and it's a kind of parody of Terminators, really. The, the way I see Terminator Three. It's making a lot of fun at its own expense. It is, it is, and this kind of becomes becomes also a running problem with the franchise yeah. as, as we move forward. It's especially looking at Genesis and its treatment of Kyle Reese. Uh-huh. But we, we but we do start to have have this kind of a running motif that something is being lifted up. By making something that has previously been established as a as a grandiose thing here, Kyle Reese is supposed to be like a major player in the franchise, and w- then in Genesis, when when Arnold Schwarzenegger and and the new Sarah Connor has to be kind of lifted up to be be put on on a pedestal, the way how they they choose to do that is by making Kyle Reese more and more of a just a like a well, not exactly a running joke. But a goddamn dumbass. Goddamn dumbass is a very accurate expression. And you were saying about these uh, problems with the TX performance uh, of Kristen and Loki. Let me just uh, expand on that a little bit. I kind of agree with you. Uh, I maybe I see that there's is it that there's too much ego in her performance, and um, I'm not sure if that was done with T1000 or if the kind of look, the gloomy or the very dark, menacing look in uh, 
Robert Patrick's eyes was more of an expression that, hey, I'm very determined, I'm very focused, I'm nothing but focus. Maybe that's more what it was communicating to me. But um, then, of course, you can take the road that TX is more advanced, blah, 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 blah. So she might be mimicking more of that human behavior in voice and behavior. But I know that Kristen Loken didn't come in this role like, I don't, I don't know about Terminators, I don't, I'm not prepared for this role. No, it wasn't like that. She, I know that she uh, did really train for the role and wanted to get the movements right, even went to some kind of a course for that. But yeah, there, there's something and the, the, the god-awful dialogue is not really helping that. Or maybe it is, maybe it is. Throughout the film, the, the dialogue is fucking terrible. It, mm-hmm. got, it kind of fits the, the, the Terminators of the movie. So we get dialogue like this. John Connor was here. Where did he go? And that's it. Or, I like your gun. And then the, the policeman just goes like, what? And that's mm. the end of that scene. Yeah, indeed. I, I would like to ask what. That, that's it? That's that's the end of the dialogue? Where, where's the punch? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's hard to say, like, exactly pinpoint who is at fault here. Like, is it, you asked if it's Logan's ego. Is that what sabotages her performance? Could be. Could also be that Christiana Logan just ain't, like, in my opinion, as an actor altogether, she's not on par with, for example, Robert Patrick. Okay, yeah. Uh, but but it could also be like like that, this, 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 well, let's be honest, the script does no favors to anyone here or on screen. No, not even Nick Stahl. Also, his dialogue is absolutely atrocious. I I don't know if it's the script. I I don't even know if it's the direct uh, direction of the film because like like I already said, uh, even even Schwarzenegger starts to to break in his performance. There's it's yeah. in here. It's only a little <clears throat> thing, extremely minor things. The, this problem with Schwarzenegger it gets way worse as the as the sequels come up. But in Terminator Three, we already see like in in my opinion breaks in 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 his performance as T-800. Uh, one example of this would be from the ending of the film, they have the bathroom fight in, in the, the military base. Uh, and in, in the bathroom, there's the moment when Schwarzenegger throws TX on the ground and starts stomping her head. And there is a, like, a, it, it's a really, like, like, it, a really quick cut from TX's perspective to to Schwarzenegger's face, and Schwarzenegger pulls off a grimace. Has this like, like he has has this kind of a like like just fucking die already expression on his face. It lasts like like the whole cut lasts just for a for a fraction of a second. Really, yeah. it's really quick, but you do notice that your brain actually does notice that, and in that moment you you see that. Also, Schwarzenegger himself, the dude who managed to do this in in past two films perfectly, is now pulling off an emotion. Just a just a tiny, just a, just a really tiny, tiny, tiny emotion, but still an emotion. And moments after after that uh, described event, there's uh, the line when the Terminator is approaching Nick Stahl and Catherine Brewster, and when they're trying to get to the plane, and he's been slightly reprogrammed. Having kind of an internal error, and and Schwarzenegger goes, "Desire is irrelevant. I am a machine." So yeah, yeah, he says yeah, that with that a lot of. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whose the decision that was, but he said he says that with a lot of feeling. Yeah, yeah, 
And, and once again, to, to emphasize, these are supposed to be, be unfeeling killer machines from the future. Yeah. They are bloody robots. And that goddamn scene. That goddamn yep. scene. And when he's punching that car, and <laughs> then, then there's that kind of a uh, full shot of Schwarzenegger just being there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember, like, I, I have had previously seen Rise of the Machines in, in theater. And I vividly remember that it's that moment when I burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take a screenshot of that this time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, some of the whole shit is the whole film. <laughs> And the rest of the film ain't masterpiece either, which gives everybody who has not seen Terminator 3 yet a, a kind of a image exactly how bad this is. Yeah. Perhaps we can use, use that image even as a, as a as the thumbnail image for this episode. <laughs> that stupid. <laughs> we could. Uh, but <laughs> that's a nice thought. But then, uh, th- yeah, the whole structuring of the film is really frustrating and and. I felt that way in the theater when I first saw the film, that it basically just feels like a, it's preparing you for something that we really want to do, and it never really gets to the point, and that the whole thing, getting to this uh, shelter, it, then it turns out to be really nothing. You can't do anything to stop the judgment day there. They're just sitting there, sitting ducks, and, and this is not really what I wanted the film to end with. There's nothing. Oh, it's nothing. We're just protecting ourselves. And now uh, the doomsday is starting. Judgment Day. And now I want to watch the movie, but it's ending. Uh, Yeah. And that's also something that James Cameron himself really didn't want to do. Because that's a complete antithesis of... Well, what was the, the... like the, the whole point of Judgment Day, the previous film in the franchise, mm. which precisely stated that there is no fu- fate or no future except the one that we make. Mm. Terminator 2 is basically championing for free will and our capability of determining how our future will play out. Like, we have a free will so we can make decisions and through our decisions we can affect what our future is. And now you have Terminator 3 which directly states out that you don't have a free will and the omnipotent fate has already decided what your future will be. Uh, John Connor and Catherine Brewster will survive the, the judgment day. Because that's their fate. You and I, no matter what we do, we we can try to prepare, we can train, we can do whatever we w- want, but all that is irrelevant. Because future is predetermined. We will be worm food, and there's nothing that we can do for it, or do about it, because, you know, fate. Yeah. And that's the whole message of, of Rise of the Machine. Yeah. And it's it's really frustrating because the, the whole point of Terminator 2 was to, to prevent the Judgment Day. And then what we do in Terminator 3, the plot point is basically you only postponed it. <sighs> so here we go again. Yeah. In a, in a way, I, I understand this. Uh, yeah. Because Terminator 3, it's no way in an like, envious position. As a as a film, and uh, this is this is something that I I kind of noticed when I, when I now was revisited these films in in like quite quite almost like back to back. I'm not saying that these films are good, but there's every single time there's there's an interesting aspect in a, any given film. Like all of these sequels, they have an interesting theme 
inside of them. Or there's there's an they they somehow convey the time period when they were were made. And Terminator Three, its extremely unenvious position as a movie is not just as a sequel to Judgment Day, one of the best action movies ever made, and the movie that tried to like close the loop in in everything Terminator related. It tried to be a movie that is so tightly closes itself that you can't make make sequels. And now Terminator 3 somehow has to find a way to make more Terminator movies. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that, you know, bringing back the whole Judgment Day threat. Um, But I was hoping that there would be at least kind of a lighter ending or an actual ending to the movie and to kind of get to the whole point of the Judgment Day a little quicker, because because now the movie just ends up being kind of like a refresher of Terminator 2. Yeah, but that's that's just the thing. That's like the, the second interesting thing. In, in Rise of the Machines, it's like, when, when looking at this film, it's in, important to remember that Terminator 3 came out two years after the 9-11 attacks. It's, it's a movie that entered production and even like like came out of post production and hit the theaters when america was still recovering from the most devastating terrorist attack that it has ever seen yeah. and 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 an attack that basically kind of reshaped the whole nation and you can in my opinion like like you, you we talk about the ending we talk about like the whole Judgment Day was only postponed thing. I actually see this as some type of a like response that stemmed from the the World Trade Center attacks. I would actually say that Terminator Three might have a different tone had it come out like five or six years after after nine eleven. But Terminator Three is as a movie. It has. This kind of a newfound fatalism, which which kind of comes comes to and comes to its brightest in in in, in that whole notion that Judgment Day is un, unstoppable, hmm. and this 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 whole notion that the whole statement that Judgment Day can't be avoided <coughs> it comes to the go-to mode for the rest of the franchise. Ever the, the rest of the movies. More or less, one way or the other, they always make the same goddamn argument that no matter what we do, the judgment date just can't be prevented. It will happen always in some shape or form. And from Terminator 3 onwards, not only only does, does the judgment date itself become unavoidable, but the franchise also becomes kind of a hell bent on killing all the familiar faces from the Terminator canon. Like, the, the films themselves, they want to somehow either kill or destroy the, the faces that you like came familiar with in, in the previous two films. the cornerstones, the four cornerstones, or, or the four, four main player characters of, of this franchise. Yeah, what a time that was back back then for Hollywood. You're raising some good good points about that because ha, ha, even the the release of the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers in 2002, was kind of a big deal. Some people didn't even get where that title is coming from, so there were stupid internet fights saying, oh, "Why are you using that title?" Uh, but yeah, that was kind of the, the worst time to raise that kind of a title up. But so they did. Um, as Terminator Salvation. So did you find anything salvageable here? Um, in my opinion, this is actually like perhaps the 
best or it it most of it, it it is the best of of the like the late Terminator sequels in my opinion. I mm. do know that not many people like Salvation. It has a really bad rap in Terminator fan circles. It's not a great movie and it's it's it. not a great movie. It's not a great movie. I'm not making the case that it's a great movie. None mm. of these films are great movies. Uh-huh. But Terminator 3 God bless its heart. Uh, no, Terminator Salvation. Correction. Terminator Salvation. Bless its heart. It actually is, or tries to be, an Honest God sequel to Terminator 3. This is the last time in, in this age-driven franchise when we get a movie that tries to still uphold the canon and tries to be an Honest God sequel. From Salvation onwards, what we have is soft reboots. Every single goddamn film tries to somehow find a way, somehow wiggle around the fact that Terminator 3 happened. Every single film tries to somehow make the case that no, that Judgment Day didn't happen at the end of Terminator 3. They try to, they do their best to forget that whole moment. Even though, at the same time, all these fucking films also make the the repeated point that Judgment Day is unavoidable. It's, yeah. it's like, it, it's it's one type of a self-defeating schizophrenic mess. At the same time saying, please forget that Judgment Day happened at the end of Terminator 3, that film does not exist. Oh, by the way, hey, the whole core thing that you can't avoid Judgment Day, yet yeah, that still holds water. We're gonna do the Judgment Day again in this sequel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it tr- tries to be a sequel um i didn't even go to the theater to see it after the terminator 3 mess i just didn't bother but i saw it probably after genesis on dvd and i just had zero interest maybe even minus interest so i just came into the movie with the wrong leg and that was of course a stupid idea but at the time when i saw salvation i didn't enjoy it at all and i had trouble going through it and i think i fell asleep but now revisiting it, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's actually. I wasn't bothered by the absence of of Schwarzenegger, and I'm not, not counting in the like the brief digital appearance. Mm-hmm. It was more story driven than many of these sequels. I appreciated that. I appreciated that it kind of took some risks. I appreciated some of the action, even though the action has been uh, on a downhill ever since the two originals because just for me at least it's taken too far and what we had in one and two was kind of the the grounded environment where where kind of crazy shit happens and in the follow-ups they just don't seem to kind of get it it's more of a fantasy environment and so yeah but yeah uh it's basically the acting that was working for me the best in terminator salvation christian bale i gotta gotta admit like yeah he's doing a great job mm. uh, at least for that john corner that he's supposed to be portraying yeah so o- overall the acting um is what is ma- making this film work uh it's it's not such an interesting film really but yeah it's the acting that makes it tick it, it's not really an interesting film and there's a lot that i don't like about salvation but let this may be like added to the chronicles of human race 
Like some someday, someday when when Earth is clo- uh, dying down and and the humanity comes together, it may kind of, kind of forms that the one data capsule that is being sent on the on like, like the last asteroid that is being shot being being shot into the space to you know go around perhaps in some form someday somehow reach any kind of a life form, and to tell that life form that humanity was here, and this is what we achieved. I'm, I'm hell-bent. I'm 100% certain that in that database, like in that chronicle of the achievements of humanity, there will be a note for Terminator's salvation, for the achievement of finding a new plotline in this goddamn franchise. <laughs> like, like, that's... It, it, it's going to be one of the crowning achievements. It, it's going to be the works of Leonardo da Vinci. It's going to be like, like Beethoven's music. It's going to be the, the Sixtus Chapel. It's going to be the fact that Terminator franchise made you find a second plot line. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate that we're kind of moving along with the story. I thought this was going to be some kind of um, uh, bold and the beautiful situation where all the characters are just always saying, oh yeah, we're going to the, uh, I don't know, we're going to have a holiday in Switzerland and nobody, of course, ever goes there because we don't have the budget to go there or, or that it's going to be something really awkward. The, the point being that it seems that there's a lot of, for example, TV series that, that have these that have these goddamn goals throughout the, the series to go somewhere else. Like, God! For example, Ozark pisses me off at this point because they've done now like five or what, five, six seasons. And, well... The name is the Ozark, fair enough, they're still in the Ozark. But the series did not start in Ozark, they were still elsewhere. And I'm just saying that that they just can't get rid of the same locales, settings, plot points, God. But Salvation gets there. Yeah, and also, like, thematically, or not really thematically, but for what it means for the franchise, Salvation is... An interesting ground-setting moment because in in the original movie, you can see that Cameron had this critical glance at humanity. By the way, how the original depicted that apathy and self-centeredness of of humans made us more like machines. It's a it's a movie that like Kyrie's comes back from the war-torn hell future to the 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 movie's present day Los Angeles. And it's cold and abandoned and it's hostile and dangerous and dirty and sweaty. It's very much a film where, or the, or the humanity of, of that world, of that, like, we have to prese- protect this time, Los Angeles. It was very much like, how can I benefit from something? The, the shrink whose name I can't remember, who was also in Lieberman or something like that. Uh, Silverman. Was. Silverman. Silverman, yeah. He, his whole point when he's interviewing Kyle Reese at the police station is that I can make a career out of this guy. I can make a book out of this interview material. It was very much like, like the tone was that the way how we behave makes us closer to the machines. And that was also like the, the way how Judgment Day end, ends. Sarah Connor, Connor says, that the closing lines of the movie are that if a machine, a Terminator, can learn to see the value in humans, perhaps we, the humans, can also do the same someday. Yeah. And basically, in all of this, and also 
in Terminator 3, the, the main point has been how humans differ from machines. Like, like the closing argument, the coming argument is that humans and machines are two different things, and humans perhaps are coming more like the machines. But we still differ, and we should, like, champion for for that difference. We should make effort in order to make certain that we stay different from the machines. And the inner conflict of John Connor has been his humanity and, and his free will colliding with the whole predeterministic nature of the future that he's been set for him. He's very much a, car- a guy who would like to be free and would not want to become, would not want to become like the future resistance leader, but the fate constantly is telling him that no, this is what you have to do. But from Salvation onwards, however, the machines, or at least the main good machines, are going for greater lengths in order to be humanized with and basically being humanized with even with ever wilder explanations. Like, the whole reasons why these machines, the good guy robots, are so human-like, it just kind of gets wilder and wilder, more laughable, in a lack of better terms, from one installation to the other. In Salvation, the main good guy machine does not know. Like, like plot twist, the main good guy machine does not know that he's a Terminator. He's a, he's a good guy because he thinks that he's a death row convict who just has taken a really d- long dirt nap and uh, wakes up in 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 whatever is is the terminal salvation uh, future. And also he has a human heart, and that gives him the the power to be a human. He becomes more human. He's the he's the most humanized Terminator in the franchise this far. And later on in in Genesis, it, the, the explanation why Arnold is so human-like is is more stupid. And in Dark Fate, oh boy, is it stupid, the explanation. But the franchise, the movies, they, they start to humanize, humanize the, uh, the, the robots. And in, in this way, in my opinion, the movies start to make the argument how we are, uh, or, or the franchise, the franchise has started to make the argument how we are becoming more like the machines. From Salvation onwards, the films are saying how machines are becoming more like us. There's a mm. switcheroo that happens in the emphasis of exactly whose humanity is is put on the spotlight. Yeah, like who is more human. Well, yeah. those, those are kind of interesting discussions, as long as you don't but fuck they, it up. They are, they are, at the same time, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that this switcheroo happened. And this is something that is, in my opinion, is very much highlighted in Salvation. Because Salvation does not only give you the, the vicious, war-fatigued John Connor whose filmography or or the like cinematography is lifted partly from films like Apocalypse Now and other Vietnam movies. Especially mm. when, the, when like John Connor drops the, the day bomb bombs and, and bombs out the, the whole forest. That there's viciousness in John Connor that, that tells that John Connor is more robot like than he has ever been before. And the the resistance leadership makes repeated demands to rely on logic Instead, instead of things like feelings or ethics, so both John Connor and, and the Resistance kind of repeatedly champion for being more like like logic-driven robots, and that's kind of a like I'm not saying a heartbreaking thing that this change happens that all of a sudden these movies become more interested up 
or, or start to make the, the argument that the, the robots are perhaps becoming even more human-like than we are. Like, honest to God, flesh and blood humans. And, and that humanity of the robots, the Terminators, is put on such of a high pedestal instead of the humanity of the actual humans. I, it's not necessarily heartbreaking, but it's somewhat of, of a downer note. Hmm. The appearance of the Marcus character... Uh, creates some kind of an intriguing storyline to follow in the film because we don't know anything about the character. Surprisingly, no one really asks enough about the character. Where the hell did you pop up from? And mm-hmm. it kind of started to irritate me as we go along. But yeah, it gets shown. Did you ever figure out the cancer lady's motivation for destroying humanity or that was just some, uh, you know, uh, Skynet? It's it basically if I figure uh, like pieced it, pieced it together correctly, it's that cancer, cancer lady makes the the original research, but after her death, the military complex buys the buys the cancer lady's company and therefore also the research, and then the military creates Skynet based upon cancer lady's research. Okay. Essentially a war film, this one. Uh, there's kind of stages that the first one is a love film, the second film is about humanity, understanding humanity, uh, ro- how, and how robots come into the picture, blah, blah, blah. Terminator 3, well, it's... It's, got- it's about prearranged marriages. <laughs> uh, yeah, and self-parody, and I see it more as a self-parody and uh, kind of a lightweight Terminator film. Now we have a war uh, Termin- film. Uh, Rise of the Machines is is a lightweight Terminator film on the surface, but below surface because of its extreme nihilism mm. and extreme like everything is based upon your you know your fate attitude. I do think that it's perhaps the darkest film in this franchise. Yeah, because Ter- Terminator Three it, it's the movie that says that even you know who you are going to marry, it, it's not up to you. But Catherine Brewster and John Connor are going to get together, whether they like it or not. And they make it a point in the film that they don't really have a chemistry together. They both uh, work this out. That the whole epic backstory between the characters is that Brewster lost her virginity to Connor when they were teens. That that's the only connecting thing that these two guys have. Or kissed in the basement. I think that's all. Or, Or kissed in the basement. But that's the connection. But they will get married. And Brewster will get pregnant to Connor because the omnipresent fate has has decided so for them. There's like there's no saying no to this. Even though yeah. they try to do it. Oh, and yeah. yeah, and this this comes like God damn it. Like the film tries to and to get back in back into to Rise of the Machines and it being like coming Two years after after the the nine eleven attacks, the film tries to sugarcoat this. It it tries to to like make the argument that it's it's not it's not that fatalistic. Come on, guys, they they learn to love each other at the end. And but but the best the film can master on this this front would be that that Brewster makes the comment that that 
Connor was the first first boy boy she ever kissed in a basement. And Connor, on the other hand, sees Brewster holding an AK and shooting a flying robot and thinks about his mom. Oh God, uh, no, no. Yeah, that that's that's like when they are supposed to get get together and have babies. It's supposed to be an act of love. <laughs> that, that's 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 all there is. That's all there is. Everything is purely because of fate. Mm, and I want to have sex with my mom, or what? Yeah. <clears throat> well, I guess that that's pushing it, but... Um... No, 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 no. Uh, in fact, in fact, you know, incest is surprisingly <coughs> common in time travel stories. <laughs> I bet the writers, when they came up with the name Catherine Brewster, that was made only, solely, for the purpose that they can hear Schwarzenegger pronounce that. Catherine Brewster? <laughs> oh, okay. This is the funniest, funniest name in the whole franchise. But yeah, well, we didn't get the Halcyon Studios Terminator 5, so we, what we got was Terminator Genesis. Yeah, the movie that starts the... From this point onwards, every single film is going to be a soft reboot, trend of the franchise. Yeah, regardless of this Genesis film being the second most successful film in the series, only behind Terminator 2... And Genesis wasn't as successful as they anticipated, and therefore the new trilogy sequels were cancelled for Genesis, including uh, a spin-off TV series that they were considering. Uh, They say that this is inspired by the first two Cameron films. Obviously it is, but it's really nothing like the first two, and largely ignores actually parts two, three, four. Yeah. And it's, it's exactly it's hard to say what film Genesis does not ignore and what the hell this movie is. Well, from a Skydance executive, he said that it's not a traditional remake, nor is it a continuation or a sequel, nor is it exactly a reboot. In a sense, it's a drum roll reimagining. I love that word. <laughs> That's yeah. when things always go wrong. Well, yeah, this this is nostalgia. Uh, by the way, the word nostalgia, it was seen quite differently, very differently only in the 1800s. And maybe we should include a footnote about it to say that the word's definition, it was quite different as well. It was first uh, kind of like a medical disease that could end fatally. And the mental asylums were capturing people who had extreme homesickness, for example. People who had traveled to other countries might have experienced that. In modern terms, they probably suffered from a type of uh, PTSD. For example, so depressed soldiers that they would stop eating and taking care of their hygiene and uh, would spread diseases and they thus uh, just contracted the diseases and uh, died. So nostalgia was kind of a predisposition for their eventual death, but doctors saw it as a potentially fatal disease. Ikara uh, is today. <laughs> right? So I was just thinking that, that yeah, it, it was more like a schizophrenia that they're referring to in the good old days. But perhaps nostalgia, as we know it today, should be treated as a mental illness as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it should. And I do think that it's, it's kind of semi-terminal illness. Just ask Terminator films. <laughs> yeah. Cameron was supportive of the film, (laughs) (laughs) describing it as respectful to the first two films. 
and felt like the franchise had been reinvigorated. But Cameron also famously did not like Salvation that much. He he did say that after he has seen it, that it was not as bad as he had expected, or he didn't hate it as much as he had previously expected to hate it. But but still, Cameron famously was not fan of Salvation, but he was fan of of Genesis, and I do think that that actually actually the whole thing is. is ex- Explained by the Cameron's the statement that he made that you are first in 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 the dark theater and then you start to see things that you recognize because oh boy in Genesis yeah. you see things that you recognize basically the whole fucking plot franchise. Yeah, well, actually, 2017, after the film had performed in the box office, Cameron then walked back that statement and said that he had only supported the film because of his friendship with Schwarzenegger. And this is actually a recurring theme where he goes to <laughs> yeah, see, okay. yeah, where he goes to Cam- see. <laughs> Cameron walking back on endorsing statements regarding Terminator sequels. It kind of becomes a thing. Yeah, yeah, and I find it quite pathetic, but. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But you know, say? hey, paycheck is a paycheck. Yeah. And Cameron still has to somehow find money to make the sequel to his Blue Space Cats movie. The director of this film was David Taylor, is, and he had also some serious regrets when in 2021 interview he admitted that he had lost the will, quote, quote, to make movies and to live as a director. After his experience <laughs> directing Genesis and, and, and Thor, the Dark World. <laughs> and this caused him to enter depression. <laughs> Sorry to laugh at this point, but yeah. Uh, well, well, hell, I would be depressed too if my films would have been Terminator, Genesis and Thor, the Dark World. At least this this guy has a conscience and a heart, you know, maybe like retrospectively, but... Uh, well, huh. having a heart is more than what Genesis can say for itself. Because <laughs> Terminator Genesis, let me be absolutely clear here, is as a movie, it's a, it's a dead, soulless husk that only has its recognition for things from the first two movies and nothing else. There's no emotion... There's no soul, there's no heart in this movie. No, I was kind of interested about the film when I when I heard about it, that at least, you know, okay, well, they're going to bring some old characters back, and it's kind of playing on the first two movies, and maybe they can come up with something, and they did. Well, I, I was too, when the film was coming out. I was actually thinking that, uh, having having missed Salvation in theaters, I was actually thinking that perhaps I should go and go and see Genesis in theaters. But then again, bless the heart of Hollywood studio system, and I'm eternally grateful for them for this one. They made the trailer, showed you basically every single major action beat and every single major plot point, except exactly how the movie is going to end. But that the, the ending resolution is so goddamn stupid that you know. You didn't miss anything if you didn't catch that one on the trailer. But you basically, you saw, like, the, the entire movie, every, like, interesting snippet of it in, in, in that three-minute trailer. And having seen that, I immediately was, okay, I've seen the movie, I don't have to go in the theaters and waste my money to see this, see Genesis, and even today, I'm grateful for that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it in the theaters either. Not because I did didn't necessarily want to. I just, I just didn't. Not sure if it's in the trailer, but 
some of the best points about this movie is we, we finally get to see how Doctor Who kills John Connor. God bless his heart. Finally, Yay. we can move on. Uh, kinda. Actually not. Well, we have a Terminator John Connor now. The films just can't get rid of the use of John Connor as a, as such a integral plot point to do something meaningful with that. No, because because it's it's like the whole franchise has only set number of cornerstones, and John yeah. Connor happens to be one of them. Yeah, and the protection of people, like God, and and protection of people, which also happens in Genesis. There are two protectors here, and there are two bad Terminators being sent, two killer robots being sent. Yeah, surprise, 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 surprise. Yeah, but. I'll- yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, there has been kind of the protection of people and, you know, this repeating bloodline, sending two Terminators back in time. Uh, we have had this so many times, and, and somehow these directors think that those are some kind of our cornerstones that we just can't let go. At least Terminator Salvation did something different a bit. Yeah, like I said, it... it... Like, honest to God, six movies in total in the franchise, and only two plot lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's the same goddamn film for five times in, in this franchise. That's how bad the situation is. Yeah, it's just beating the same old horse. Yeah, and usually, usually, like, that may not be a problem for you, because typically you don't, you don't watch Terminal films that close to each other. You have like years between. You you watch one movie and then I don't know. Years went by and then then came the third one and years went by and Salvation came out. Perhaps that's like enough to to kind of sugarcoat the whole thing. But now, especially now, having watched these in in a se- in a sequence, it's like it's really infuriating. It's hair pullingly, hair brainedly drives me absolutely up to the wall. Stupid and irritating. You know what pisses me off in the first two minutes is kind of repeating the old storyline in a new package, the whole monologue. It's getting really old to have this copy-paste Linda Hamilton dialogues and then repurpose them for new nuclear war recap into a shittier monologue. It sounds so lazy and corny. Come on, get Mm -hmm. a new fucking line. What about the kind of central storyline or whatever is going on with the Skynet, or what, what do they call it? I think it's still called Skynet in this film. It, it, it basically is Skynet who pretends to be Genesis. Yeah, so Genesis is an application that connects all your devices together for maximum bullshit, but we already have that. Yeah, it's called uh, Apple iOS. Absolutely, or Google. Yeah, but w- w- with that, like, with that out-of-touch element of exactly what Genesis is supposed to be, and it, it was, it was like, it was, like, incruciatingly funny Already when the film came out, like, like the whole notion that the whole world is is waiting for Genesis, which is nothing more than just a, like a, like an app that connects your smart devices to each other, your your cell phone to your TV to your computer, which is something that we already had back in the day. Yeah, it's that already same. existed. But but the movie makes the point like two billion. Like pre-downloads, even before the app has actually like like come out. Yeah, yeah, we we've seen this kind of before. We have it. So could this be some kind of a statement towards the the Apple and the Google type of media companies? Technology. In a way, that's how I saw it. Yes. Uh, and this is something that we come back to in in Dark Dark Fate, where Linda Hamilton's character does 
make the notion that yeah we are living in a surveillance state surveillance world everything that you are doing is being recorded and uh, saved and captured yeah um dark fates core theme it's a kind of an upgrade of the core theme which it's hard to say how much of this is actually like purposeful sarcasm and criticism of the silicon valley tech startups and how much of this is just pure incompetence from the side of the screen uh, script writers because the whole thing smells like a coalition of two things there's the writing room solutions where you have a bunch of script writers going on what is typical how we tie this one into the current time and and somebody makes the realization that oh have you ever all noticed that these today's people are constantly connected to their phone all these kids are constantly on their phones it's very current henrik except that this is supposed to be the future and it that notion it was old even when Genesis came out. People have been complaining about that already, at least for a year or two before we, we had Genesis. But that smells like something that tad bit unimaginative hacks in the in the writer's room would come up with. At the same time, Genesis also features the mid-2010 to 2020 social media internet paranoia. When all of a sudden the whole world somehow figured out that we are giving personal and private information to tech giants like Instagram and Facebook. And the whole point that somebody actually finally read through the, the user contract of the Facebook and realized that According to that contract, all the content you make, for example, in Facebook, belongs to Facebook. The videos, the text, the images, everything that you put on Facebook becomes Facebook property. And that was a big deal for a short while. And then we forgot it. And then we forgot it. But Genesis kind of feels like that it is a critical commentary, or it tries to be a critical commentary, of, the, of those tech firms. Oh my god, we are giving all this information to the companies and we don't know what the corporations are doing with it. Which is like a sensible idea to be somewhat uh, like cautious of, obviously, but we, 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 we kind of reached a paranoia level momentarily during the time when Genesis came out. So in, in, in that framework, it's not really a surprise that in Genesis, the uh, Skynet mostly deals through cyber attack threats. And basically the whole idea that Genesis is a Trojan horse app for Skynet. And some faces corporation is pushing this self-destruct program to the masses who just are eagerly downloading it. 2 million or 2 billion downloads even before the app is officially even open, and they have a press conference. All of this kind of ties down with uh, the whole paranoia thing that we were, we were having during this time period. And partly, like already said, it smells like hack screenwriters in, in script room. Yeah. For example, the part where Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor of this timeline are a bunch of dumbasses. Especially Kyle Reese, who gets done really dirty by the movie. Yeah. Because he's, he's like, a, he's like the dumbest asshole in the film. It does not help at all that Kyle Reese is being played by Jay Courtney, who 
Honest to God was a thing that the Hollywood tried to be to make, and nothing came out of it. They were pu- pushing. There, there was a time period when Jay Courtney was being pu- pushed hard as the next action dude, actor, something believable in in Hollywood. And well, today everybody is mostly forgotten those dark times. Hmm. And there's also something that is not quite right with John Connor's brain in this timeline. Did he already forget some points here? Like this weird dialogue in the beginning of, of the movie when John Connor is unsure why he should send Kyle Reese to the future. Like, why should I send you over all of them? Because I'd die for Sarah, Sarah Connor. All these people would just die for Sarah Connor. What makes you any different? You know why. Yeah, duh. Because he needs to have steamy sex with your mom, duh. So that you'd exist in the first place, duh. I, I took it that that was John Connor trying to rub under the rock the fact that he has been grooming Kyrie's bang his mom for some years now. <laughs> That it, that was just a show from <laughs> from John Connor's end, just to get Carl Reese properly motivated. Right. Uh, it's, I I, I want to believe that that was what, what that was what was going on. It's freaking amazing. They they are just buddies in in the future, and uh-huh. then then John Connor at some point at least he realizes that oh this is actually my father. I need to send him back in time to fuck my mom. What might be going in through your head at the time? Yeah, messes with your head. But then again, in in John Connor's defense, he's not the only thing being simple. Uh, simple here, because also one one of the running problem with Genesis is that it's it's hard. It is super simple story. This is the most simplistic story that Terminator films have. In the end, the whole thing, to, to spoil the ending of Terminator Genesis, the whole thing boils down to Carl Reese has to travel back to 2017 to tell his kid self that Genesis is Skynet. That's all. That's the whole resolution to the overarching problem of the movie. That, that's the entire conclusion there. All the other stuff in this movie, the T-1000 that shows up, it just kind of is there. The good guy Arnold just, just shows up. Uh, that Sean Connor bullshit, largely pointless. The, even, even Genesis, uh, itself, or himself, or whatever it, Genesis is, they are just, they, they are all just detours that amount to nothing. They, they don't really leave, read, or give anything that would somehow affect the end resolu- resolution, Kyle Reese tells his kid self that Genesis is Skynet. Like yeah. this movie, it's it's one of the most simplistic storylines, most simplistic premises, perhaps in film history being told the most confusing way possible. As is the reasons for the name Genesis. In, in my mind, Terminator Genesis is just a mere spelling error. And then they came up with <laughs> really bizarre <laughs> explanations of why it's there. Yeah, in, in fact, it's a it's a name that has been a nightmare to pronounce, basically to everyone. Not just to like Finnish film podcast hosts, but honest to God, American and and people living in England, like yeah. Britain. Yeah, they also have a problem. Exactly, how do the hell do you pronounce Genesis? Yeah, is it? Genesis or Genesis 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 whatever but yeah so uh, along this very simplistic story they are messing with our childhood and rewriting the timelines essentially kind of again 
What did you think about the, the callbacks into those previous scenes that they had to recreate because the original film material was some, something that they were not legally able to use and it would have been too grainy? And come on, if you're going to use the old scenes, then yeah, better recreate in any anyway. So they had some impressive detail in some of those recreated scenes. But again, it became kind of a self-parody. And let's have fun with those original films. And, and But then what? Where are we going to take it from here, from this film? Can it stand on its two legs with, with these callbacks? No. I absolutely hated them. And to me, those callbacks, hell... Terminator Genesis itself, the movie itself, is a prime example of Hollywood's franchise filmmaking problem. It, it's here in a nutshell, in in two-hour format. Everything that is wrong with the with, with the for, franchise filmmaking in Hollywood, be that the Jurassic World films, be be it uh, Robocop remake, be it whatever, it's all present in Terminator Genesis in two-hour format. All this film has, all that this movie truly cares about, is having as many nostalgia receptor tingling callbacks to past films as possible. Why does T-100 have a cop uniform? Because Mm. Robert Patrick, obviously. Mm. Why is Sarah Connor wearing a leather jacket and black wife Peter? Because Judgment Day. Why the first thing that Sarah Connor says is, come with me if you want to live. Because Arnold in Asylum. Every single object from the past films is being brought up and held up to almost religious relevance here. The only reason why Kyle Reese once again opts out for the dirty hobo outlook is, and in this, like, has to stress this one out. The timeline is supposed to be completely changed. Mm-hmm. The, the only reason why he goes goes to the department store and stores, steals the exactly same clothes is because, hey, that's the jacket from the first film. Mm-hmm. It, the, the, the whole movie, Terminator Genesis, is nothing more. It, it's just a co- collection of things that we have seen in the past movies. And, and the, the whole plot, like I said already, that it's a super simplistic plot told them the most confusing way possible. And and the whole reason for that, well, partly it's because, because you know, inaptitude to tell a story cohesively, but the second part is that the plot itself here in, in Genesis, it's nothing more, it's just a vehicle to get from one remember, hey, from one, hey, do you remember this moment to the next? Which That's has... why we have a story, so that you have as many nostalgia callbacks as possible. Yeah, it has been done to so much of death that, you know, all these heal back, she'll be back, somebody will be back. And when Linda Hamilton does the, her version of that, she she kind of delivers it well. It It's kind of, uh, it makes sense in the part of her role in that movie, but the way that she delivers it, it sounds like, fuck, we've done it to death, and do I have to do it again? Well, okay. It goes like something like, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's that's kind of Genesis. Yeah, that's kind of Genesis. It's, it's, it's nostalgia, nostalgia callbacks and like five different timelines. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's actually those, those the, getting the, the, the future so close to your face and playing with the timelines so intensely as this movie does it becomes such of a clusterfuck that, you know, we already had the clusterfuck problems with the original movies, but to really pronounce that, emphasize that, that, hey, we're here to clusterfuck, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it kind of brings also 
to the forefront the problems uh, of the of this timeline messings and and kind of the the original plots. So I'm not sure sure how beneficial it is for the movie to just play around with it, with them so much. But hey, this is Genesis. I I don't know, man. I, everybody has made a number of exactly how hard it is to follow the timeline of of Genesis. Yeah. But I have to make like. Honest to God, Genesis timeline is nowhere near as confusing as people make it out to be. Like I, I can I- explain the whole timeline here because I, I actually have it, have it, you know, broken down. I, I bet you, I bet you can. But then, have you listed down also kind of the uh, alternative ways that things can happen because they keep jumping on those timelines? Okay, let's let's hear this timeline. Well, okay, so 1965, uh, 1965, Sarah Connor is born and. 1974, a liquid terminator is sent back in time to kill Sarah Connor when she is nine years old. And then somebody sends T-800 back in time to protect Sarah Connor for shits and giggles. Then 1948, the first bodybuilder Arnold Schwarzenegger terminator is sent back in time to kill Sarah Connor and... Sarah, uh, this is the moment when Sarah meets a Terminator for the first time in her life. And, they, well, they, they kill, you know, back in 1984, uh, they kill kill the bad bodybuilder Schwarzenegger Terminator. And this basically should actually end the whole whole continuity here. They already stopped the, I'm gonna kill Sarah Connor Terminator. So, basically the whole, whole thing should, you know, end, but, you know... Movie needs to happen, so shut up. And 1985, this is the year when John Connor is born. And 1995, they stopped Judgment Day from happening in, in Terminator 2. And, well, 1997 was supposed to happen. Is the date when Judgment Day was supposed to happen, but it didn't. Because, you know, was already stopped in 1995. When John Connor Ju- was 11. Yep. Yep. Uh, 2017, uh, Judgment Day is going to happen for the, for the second time. And to, to kind, of, kind of prevent this, in 2029, the Resistance sends Skyrim back in time, now to year 2084, to kill the bad bodybuilder Terminator that has already been killed. During the film's opening credits, Skynet sends T-1000 and bad bodybuilder Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator, to 1984. For some odd reason, it sends two completely different models, T-800. And T-1000, even though it would have been more, like, effective to just send two T-1000s, but, you know, Skynet, something, something, who who knows? Then, also in 2029, a a fucking hologram T-5000 stuffs bunch of digital after effects in John Connor's stupid face, turns him into T-3000, and in process of becoming, you know, T-3000, some type of embodiment of, of Skynet... John Connor also learns how to code C++, so it's a pretty good deal, at least for John. Mm. In 2003, uh, Terminator 3 kills Claire Dane's acting career, because nothing came out of that, I think, (laughs) ever since Rise of the Machines. Now, back in 2084, Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese use Time Machine to travel to 2017. 2029, Skynet uses Time Machine to send now T-3000 John Connor to somewhere back in time to actually use his C++ skills to develop Genesis and prepare for 2017 because it knows that Judgment Day won't now happen back in 1997. And in, in, in 2017, John Connor has a time machine 
but he doesn't use it for some reason. And also, Marty McFly has a time machine, and this is the way how you Back to the Future 2 happens. But not Back to the Future 3, because nobody goes back in time in that movie, only forward. And then there's also movie Time Machine, where some dude has a time machine, and he goes, like, all over the place with that thing. And then, also in 2017, Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese destroy T-3000 John Connor, and they also have, finally have sex. So, now John Connor is born in 2018, making him too young to actually lead any resistance. So the resistance movement of the Sky in the Future never actually learns about John Connor and can and never have come up with the idea to send Kyle Reese back in time to year uh, 2084 and later on the second time to protect him in, in uh, 1992 Judgment Day year. On 1995, when Judgment Day happens. And then in 97. (laughs) No, 97 was when Judgment Day was supposed to happen, but it didn't because they stopped it in 95. (laughs) Okay. Come on, man. This is really simple. Just follow up. (laughs) And in 2017, in a mid-credit scene, it's actually revealed that Skynet is still online in the basement of the Genesis building, meaning that the judgment day is still going to happen and the resistance does not know about John Connor and everybody, everything is completely fucked. So that's like, to break it down, that's the timeline of, of Terminator Genesis. Like I said, it's really simple. Uh, yeah. Well, now we know. Thank you. For... And knowing is half the battle. G.I.J.O. There it is. I knew there were some problems with those timelines. <laughs> Jeez. You did a goddamn excellent spreadsheet to actually follow this shit. <laughs> well... One more to go with Terminator Dark Fate. Dark Fate? Well, see, seeing how, how this one was supposed to once again launch one film trilogy, I, I think rather ironic title for a film. It is, and it was used by media quite extensively, I noticed, <laughs> in that purpose. Um, let's just look back at what Linda Hamilton was thinking. She wished to film Terminator Salvation at the time. Quote, all the best but she also expressed her opinion that the series was perfect with two films. It was a complete circle, and it was enough in itself. But, quote, there will always be those who will try to milk the cow, end quote. Speaking of which, now the film rights went back and reverted to Cameron, which resulted in Dark Fate. So, it's a Dark Fate joke here. But, yeah, this has been done, and uh, this is a point where they finally bring back Linda Hamilton... Uh, but the films just keep on getting sillier and sillier, should we say. Oh, could be that Genesis is the silliest out of the bunch. But yeah, uh, Terminator not, 1. Not, not just Linda Hamilton, they also well, <sighs> bring back the essence of Edward, Edward Furlong. Which James Cameron was happy to pronounce that, yes, Edward Furlong will be back as John Connor in this film. <laughs> right. So... Let's open this one by having the major spoilers out of the way in case somebody has not seen or heard, you know, that the main thing with, with Terminator Dark Fate. When the film came out, a huge ruckus was being made about how there's no plot changes to the canon that can't be taken back, that will irreversibly 
like make major changes and differences in in the way how Terminator films and the whole timeline, the whole canon will work from from the, this film onward. If someone has not yet heard this, the big thing is that John Connor fucking dies at the beginning of of this film, and it means absolutely nothing. What? Well, how to even approach this? This is a very important character in the past, and it was hugely criticized, this whole decision to kill Edward Furlong's John Connor and grant that. Why the fuck did you not use Edward Furlong in a more extended role in this film when you could have probably had the opportunity? As far as I know, Edward Furlong is doing much better than he was during his 2003 times when he was to fulfill his role duties in Terminator 3, but then he was pushed aside, cast aside because of his apparent drug problems, at least according to the studio and the makers. But yeah, here they use only his likeness as a kid and just shoot him right off, because because this will apparently give the film a, a, a new stance, a new starting point, and yes, it fucking does, but... Is this really what you think that the fans wanted to see? Do you think there's no other avenues whatsoever to take? Do you think this is so important to keep Linda Hamilton pissed off throughout the movie and maintain the integrity of the character? I think not. Well, in coverage of the fan, I too would use Edward Furlong as little as humanly possible. In my opinion, shooting Edward Furlong at the beginning of the film is perhaps the best use for Edward Furlong that you can have. We are now uh-huh. talking about, you know, late stage, post-Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Edward Furlong. Because, oh boy, has some things gone downhill. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, he doesn't look like he did in, back in 1991 in many senses. So they could have written the story ar- around that, that he's a little rugged and uh, has seen a lot of life and uh, maybe has kind of semi-retired in some shack and is just ignoring all this Terminator shit. I, maybe... I, I know yeah. I, I know that Edward Furlong fans of the internet will absolutely eat me alive for, for saying, but these days Edward Furlong, honest to God, can't act for shit. Okay. I, I say this, I, I say this as a person who has watched the entire The Crow Wicked Prayer. Right. I have seen quite a lot of his films, but maybe more of the early stuff. Edward Furlong was a rising star during his his like early years. What's eating Gilbert Grape? Great performance. Judgment Day, a great performance. These days, I would shoot him during the opening see- scene of my film. Wow. The, the bigger problem, the bigger problem with with the whole John Connor being killed, in my opinion, is the fact that the, the whole idea for Cameron, like you stated, was to kind of pull the rock uh, from under the audience's feet. Mm. To, to shock the audiences, do the unexpected, and now he has done it. With this act, he has wiped the table clean. He's free of John Connor, can do whatever he fucking wants, and what he does is the same goddamn bullshit than, you know, the four, like, the, the four other times. Not Precisely. in counting salvation. Precisely. Yeah. That the end, end resolution for the whole John Connor dies is that, well, John Connor gets, gets gender flipped into a new character, and, well, that's it. Well, that's it. And my other gripe with killing John Connor in the first few minutes is that it's, it's not really established in any way. It's just there as a shock factor. And, but the way that it's just pushed in the audience's faces just in the first few, few minutes is kind of, taking out the effect in a way because 
we haven't established where they are and, and what's been happening and maybe they could have expanded a little bit on that but no it's just a terminator walking into a beach or whatever it is and kills off john connor and off we go it's kind of seems like something we just had to get off our plate and move on otherwise not possible to do a james cameron influenced terminator movie for some reason yeah i think and i'm i kind of actually advocate for that approach like if you have to have john connor die see a scene then have it quickly like done with over with as early as possible because john connor is not well, he's not, and he is the main character of, of Dark Fate. He He's not the main character in the sense that John Connor physically is there. But he is the main character in the sense that, well, basically, what we the lady we have here, Danny, is, is nothing more than just a proxy version of John Connor. Yeah. So, had, had this film tried to do something with John Connor before reaching this point, in the worst case scenario, it would have been one extra 30 minutes of runtime for, for the movie when they try to, like, like have the red herring that the John, Con- that John Connor is going to be the main, main hero of the story. Then they kill them and then we reset back to, well, you know, Danny and, and the next John Connor of the Terminator canon. So I'm, I'm more happy that Connor, John got da- killed at the beginning of the film. In something like 20 seconds, and then we like can can reset back to, you know, doing the same thing that, that we have been doing basically in every installment, except, you know, Salvation. Mm-hmm. The problem is here, of course, again, that, well, you're killing John Connor, but then you're kind of repeating on and on and on about the, the character of John Connor, and also reminding the audience that is already hating on your film in the first few minutes, the people that are and can accept this gruesome death in the first few minutes, then they are just like, yeah, for John, for John, for John. But for yep. fuck, fuck's sake, why, why didn't you just bring on John and stop this nonsense? I can understand where people could keep, could be coming in that. I had some hopes that this could go to somewhere. I was disappointed that they just killed the character off in the first few minutes. On the other hand, on the other hand, they have been milking the John Connor character in each of these movies to death and maybe after all this was a better choice to just because we've been doing this chunk on our circus with these crappy sequels for so long that let's forget about chunk on for a little bit and you know make some references do, here do, do the exact same circus with a yeah new character who has a new name yeah so now it's a trio of women yeah which basically, once again, it's the same goddamn dynamic. It's the same. Uh, one, one lady is is a protector sent by the resistance from the future. Well, yeah. she's not a Terminator, but she's augmented human, so you know at least half Terminator. And then there's a killer robot. And then there is the faded leader of human resistance who takes bunch of scavengers and turns them into a militia. Your womb is a weapon, and we need to protect it, or otherwise the humanity will not prevail. Yeah. Oh my God. Plot twist. It's not your womb. It's you. You are the faded leader, just like John Connor in Terminator Two. Emotional speech about how I met you in the in the future, and you oh were this my... great military leader, and you can do this. Blah 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 blah. blah. Once again, but that's the main reason why John Connor gets killed in the in the opening of the film. But we didn't had need John to do Connor, that. I mean, had had John Connor stayed alive, there wouldn't have been 
the character that we have to protect that mm-hmm. would also have to be explained what on earth are Terminator. Yeah, but maybe are they doing it for the audience? Why are they, why are they doing that? Or do they think that it's an integral part uh, of the uh, story that there should be some character who is completely... Uh, <laughs> Uh, doesn't understand what the fuck is going on beh- uh, around them, and that is might be somehow um, I don't know interesting for the audience, or it will kind of bring more effect to, to the storytelling when there's so, at least one character who is like, oh my god, an explosion. They they are doing it. They're, Oscar, they are doing it because nobody, nobody who ever writes a Terminator script outside of Salvation can come up with. Anyway, a new way to tell this same age-old story. It so like, uh, oh my god, you, you, you crazy bastards, you did it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here we go again. Uh, it was Catherine Brewster in one film, and in uh, Genesis, it's, uh, it's whoever, everybody's a little clueless. <laughs> everybody's out of the loop, what's going on. Everybody has to be explained why he's a Terminator. Yeah. Sarah Connor has to, has to explain Kyrie is that Pops is a good Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> and to kind of, kind of like, did you put more emphasis to anyone who has not seen Dark Fate but has seen at least one Terminator film previously? The whole plot thing in Dark Fate, like as mentioned, Terminator Two: Judgment Day happens in this canon, so Skynet is destroyed and Judgment Day is being prevented. So of course, now this time, humanity has created another AI that also goes rogue and kills most of the humanity in the event that is now also called the Judgment Day for some reason. And that also creates flying like flying robots that are being called hunter killers and whose terminators also are skeleton like killer robots. Mm-hmm. And once again, once again, Dark Fate, the whole thing with, with this movie is is that it's it's starting from a clean table, from a fresh point. John Connor is do- has died. Judgment Day has been prevented. Skynet has been destroyed previously. It's completely fresh start. So from this perspective, from this coming off point, Dark Fate, not only does it rehash the, the same story from the first film, almost beat for beat, but also in, in this new fu- future of, of Terminator franchise, we are dealing with the exact same bullshit, down to having to fight, once again, identical robot-like, like, skeleton-like robot exoskeleton killer robots, and having to deal, once again, with flying robot machines that are called hunter-killers, in a post-future of a once again, event that is once again being called Judgment Day. Because once again has been created an AI that once again goes rogue. And once again kills most of the humanity. The only difference that there is between the, the future of this movie and the future of all the previous Terminator movies is that this time the rogue AI, it's not Skynet, but it's Legion. Everything, everything else, it's a rehash. Downright to the, the, like, the model of the Terminators. Well, at least they changed the name. That's something. Yeah, that's most that these bloody films can do. Yeah, well, apparently the director Tim Miller and James Cameron had quite a lot of disagreements in the, in the post and during the entire production about how where this should go. Uh, Miller, anyway, is the director, so he will have the last word, and Cameron kind of 
tried to stay out, at least during filming. He didn't visit the sets. But Miller said that uh, that there was a lot of stuff that Cameron thought was unimportant in the cut. And parts where Miller thought that the scenes were poetic and beautiful, and Cameron thought that they were unimportant. Would that, m- might that be, for example, that the moment that I mentioned that happens in the plane, where this is emotional speech that basically the on your feet, feet soldier speech, you can do this, then you're a great military leader, blah, blah, blah. I would have tried to do something about that scene. There was a lot of those moments. Then again, it's hard to actually say... Like, I also heard about these famous conflicts between Miller and, and Cameron behind the scene. Cameron says that, or back in the day when he gave the interview, he said that they were still wiping off the figurative blood from the wars, from these huge fights that he was supposed to have with Miller. And I honestly... I cannot see what they would have been fighting over for. Because this movie is so close to Cameron's original films that it downright actually takes action C from Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, <laughs> you have the... During during the, the chase scene here, you have the moment when the truck is, uh, is ramming ramming the jeep that the uh, good guys are, are driving and later on they destroy the motor of the truck even down to the the motion of the camera well of course yeah. there are some fucking callback shots yeah there's so many of these yeah and some of them are so clear it's like hard to actually say where this movie starts and judgment day ends so yeah. when it comes to, to, you know, the stories about how, how Cameron and Miller fought behind the scenes, I cannot see what they would have been fighting about. I would have been fighting about, hey, Miller, this is all complete dog shit. Let's, let's try it. Let's try again. Blank slate. Okay, include the killing of John Connor, but then what? Come on. We've seen this before, but to the benefit of the movie, there there were some some action beats there. For example, the chase with the, with the truck. That was pretty well made and it was intense and had good cutting pace and it had like a music that actually fitted there were kind of decent electronic music going on a little bit there but largely i actually hated it okay to be honest uh i i do agree with you that there are good actions that there are some fights that actually unlike with genesis and unlike with terminator 3 they actually feel like like choreographed fight scenes where you have like like Two actors pretending to be fighting and not just some, you know, computer-generated CGI bullshit. Mm. There are those fights in this film. In my opinion, they especially... I, I got this feeling from the fist fights from, uh, uh, from inside the car factory and later on inside the dam when they are fighting around the turbine. There I got, got the feeling that in, at times they actually had a fighting choreography. That these actors... They actually learned, and they are now quite well pulling off. It felt physical, it felt real, it felt exciting. But during the car chase, I actually felt that the editing at times is so goddamn haphazard that it it downright took me out of the experience. Okay, I can see why why that can happen. But there were moments there that I kind of enjoyed. There were moments that I enjoyed the action. Yeah, I, I I second that. I did enjoy some of the action, but not 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 really that much of the action. Mostly, I was actually quite bored by it. But there were moments when the action were. It was never on on par of of the first two films, 
The action is never that good, but it was at least okay. And that's kind of the whole thing with, with, with these sequels. Like, they range from okay to absolutely atrocious. None of them are great, and none of these are at the league of, of the first two films, but some of these manage to be okay. Yeah, well, stating what I'm going to say is, is kind of obvious, then it's just the, it's the purest in me, I guess, that it's just going to be raving on and on about the same things, but let me just say like how much different filmmaking was back in 1991. Action films, any films, compared to what they do today because of the digital effects that they can use and they can wank on and on and on and go frame by frame with everything to the last little minutia detail. Uh, back in Terminator 2, you know, you look at the shots, there's a, kind of a purpose for shots. Simple, simple purposes for shots. You can usually follow it pretty easily. You understand why that shot was made. And in Terminator Dark Fate, there's so much going on in every single shot that it's, for me, okay, sounds like a boomer. I'm not a boomer generation boy, but it seems it's just, it's just overload. It's just nauseating. It's too much. And just that takes me out of the many of the action pictures of today. And it's the case with Dark Fate. It's it's the case of Dark Fate. It's the case with many, many of the action movies these days. It's the, the action sequences themselves, they are too hectic. Yeah. And there are, there's too much little things going on in an, in an every given frame of an action sequence that the, the action sequences themselves, they mostly just become, you know, a combination, uh, you know, a combination of, of loud sounds and flashing images. Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, has a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Of this exact same problem. If you if you wanna you know find an example from from a worse film than Dark Fate, let's use Terminator Three. The movie has has the car chase scene. Uh, TX is driving the the champion car, you know the the bulldozer car, or that ha- ha- has the ball in it that you use to break down buildings. Mm-hmm. And TH hundred is is climbing, you know, to, trying to get to get to the wheel of the car. To end the chase. So T-800 comes from the the passenger side, opens the side door, grabs TX and throws her out of the car. And starts to climb in, in, in inside the car to grab the wheel. In, in this one shot, which is framed so that the main focus point of the camera is from the street, street level, looking, being tilted a little bit up, focusing on, you know, the, the front of the car, the, the, the door that, T-800 has just opened up and now is climbing inside, through the door inside of the car. That's the focus point of the camera. But it's a wide shot, so you can also have, it in the same time, in the same image, TX rolling, flying out of the car, rolling on the on, on ground, hitting something in, in, in the ground level, and rolling back, you know, ne- ne- next to the, the back tires of the truck, and grabbing hold of that. And... The whole shot lasts, like, from half a second to max two seconds. Yeah, I remember when people were talking about that scene, like, oh, that's a, that's a big scene, and that's a great scene, and they make great care with that scene. I never really... I, I like the intensity of the scene, kind of. I, I like the amount of destruction during that scene, but I kind of also hate how obvious it is that it's so CGI. 
Yeah, and more than that, that uh, the, the simply the fact that it's just CGI, but the scenes, they are so cluttered by action and debris yeah. and stuff breaking up that, like, in, for example, in that moment, it's impossible to actually follow what the two characters are doing. If you focus on T-800 climbing inside of the car, your eyes are physically incapable of following TX rolling all over the ground and kind of a rolling back, you know, beneath the car and grabbing hold of the, the some type of a, you know, back metal bar of, of the champion truck. Yeah. Your eyes would have to be looking at two completely different directions at the same time so that you could actually see everything that happens happens in that one scene. And on top of that, that scene is cluttered by, you know, CGI debris. Yeah, and, and that's unfortunately the ADHD cutting and the style of film making today. Yeah, and, it, it and, was... And it's kind yeah, of a... Yeah, it's just kind of a scene that, yeah, it really shows to the audience that, okay, we are all in, we're gonna... I believe they were destroying a bunch of real cars there. It certainly seems like it too. But yeah, it's like kind of like we're all in with this film, at least technically, and enjoy it. But goddamn, it's it's just it's too much. It's too much, and at the same time, because you, there, there is so much CGI going on, and the CGI. One way it works, it's so good that it's hard to actually differentiate between CGI and real objects, like physical objects. Mm. Which means that, well, you may tell me that, you know, they, they wrecked a whole bunch of cars during the chase scene in, in Rise of the Machines, but at the same time, you could extremely easily be mistaken to believe that all those cars are just, you know, CGI effects. That no real cars are really being destroyed. Yeah, yeah, you could, you could, yeah. There's so much going on there that it's hard to tell. It, it's kind of like when you look at look back at, like, Judgment Day, and it has a, in its face, on its face, it has a really simple action scene where T-1000 is, is using the truck, it's the night time sequence, they are at the bridge, closing in the metal factory and the whole Rasta La Vista scene. And T-1000 T- is once again, they are chasing, is chasing the good guys with, with a truck and Arnold climbs on, on top of the truck in, in front of the, the, you know, the, the front mirror and just shoots T-1000 through the mirror. It's really simple action scene, no CGI, and it works perfectly well. And you can actually, you actually believe that everything you see happens for real. You're convinced that it's it's like physical object, it's physical mirror, uh, it's a physical mirror that gets gets broken up by you know uh, some type of a blank pra- blanks that yeah. have been hidden outside of camera, but it feels physical, it feels real. Yeah, and that's the thing that well, it's just being the dead horse, but that's the thing that makes these some of these old classics really work so so well, and really the ground and groundedness of the environment. It feels like you're in a real world, but there's a few crazy things that just happen to happen there. You know, it's just it's very it's very visceral, and it comes comes to your. You can buy it. You can kind of buy it, and you have a lot more respect for many of these scenes where stunt people risk their real lives when they go under the bridge with a co- with a helicopter, and you you just look at it and it's, you go like, "Wow, well they actually did this. My God." But nowadays, well, it looks like you don't buy it, even if they did it. They put so much effects on that shot that you're not really sure if if that was really happening. Doesn't matter, they're just 
too much CGI pollution on the shot that it, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't look like anything. It doesn't look like anything from this life. Yeah. On a side note, uh, I did try to kind of connect with Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger's character, Carl, has a van which advertises Carl's draperies. And there's a phone number, 888-512-1984. And apparently, as kind of a fun bit, the filmmakers did make that an actual phone number where there would be a recording playing of, of, of Carl. But yeah, I called that number and unfortunately the number was busy. So I guess the Carl Strapery's business is going really well. Oh, then seeing how Carl's whole explanation for his con collection is the fact that I guess T-800 has <clears throat> turned into a Guanon tier. Birch is nigh third extinction, stay free, stay second amendment, something, something, lip cook horde type of a conspiracy nut who is absolutely convinced that the civil war will break out once again. So who knows? Maybe that, you know, Trevor business is going really well. Maybe that he's in Trump rally. <laughs> and what about that line where the augmented lady just tries to convince you that she's a human? No, I'm human like you, except I survive a 30 feet fall and can throw crowbars with superhuman strength. Just that well, kind of human. not a problem at all, because, well, we can question if, if since she's augmented, if she's human or not. But we can be 100% cer- certain that Sarah Connor still is a human. And mm-hmm. she survives being tossed around violently, being a like having explosion happen right next to her. She's what seventy something lady, and the worst that happens is that her shoulder gets li- dislocated once, and it, not even that is a factor for her. Like old old people are supposed to be extremely fragile. Like you you fall on stairs and you immediately break your hip and your back from seven points. But uh, Sarah Connor somehow manages to be survive without any injuries from being tossed around, almost drowned, falling down a dam. Well, she was using the seatbelt. Well, I I don't know what she was using. Goddamn Vita Pro, but... But yeah, I, I, I have I have actually no no problem believing that absolutely everybody everyone else in this film also survives from absolutely everything else. I'm more surprised when somebody actually dies in this movie. Hmm. Male people tr- die in this movie, or they get their asses kicked because we have this female trio, which is all fine and dandy. But did you notice that every time the the augmented one is stealing clothes? Those are always male clothes. Is this some kind of a statement? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. Well, hey, I would do the same, you know. I uh, kind of, well, it, it could be, I don't know if the film actually can match to be that smart, to have that subtle of a statement. It's kind of mi- mixing genders, something, something. Well, it's it's mixing genders. Mixing genders is extremely on your face, not subtle at all. Very easy to see what's going on there. Also, the same way how you know T eight hundred is an is a relationship where he's an asexual man whose attributes are that he's a good listener and likes changing diapers. So I don't really know exactly what. What in this film is supposed to play into the theme of female empowerment attempt? Hell, I don't even know if if the the addition of Linda Hamilton here is supposed to be a female empowerment thing, 
Or if it's just, you know, blatant nostalgia bait. Yeah. If you if you want to bring Linda Hamilton in, then I think would have been kind of nice to have then Furlong as a kind of a package deal. Now it f- seems like kind of a, a broken well, nostalgia. He, well, Furlong is a pa- package deal. <laughs> he, his package just was really short and empty. Yeah, uh, augmented face. He, he did contribute to the film, just giving giving his facial expressions to the scene, which then weren't even really used, because there was supposed to be a part where uh, actually there's Edward Furlong dialogue. Well, that's spoken by by uh, a kind of an actor on his behalf for obvious reasons, voice change and all. But but his face was supposed to be moving in that because yeah he's speaking. But then they decided to cut that out because the the kind of face didn't look real enough to be used in the film. At least that's one of the reasons that they voiced out. Well, Edward Furlong's real-life face doesn't look real real enough to be used on any film. <laughs> oh. At, at least what I have seen, you know, recent pictures of his mug. <laughs> yeah, there was supposed to be Terminator 7. Following up from this with the trilogy, uh, and Davis revealed that it would not have been even a direct sequel to Dark Fate, but... A spin-off of some kind, focusing on alternate <laughs> timeline, God help us, uh, where where Grace would have been in the future war, sim- kind of a similar to the Terminator Salvation, and would not have featured Schwarzenegger. What's been lately going on with the with the whole Terminator thing is that in February 2021, Netflix announced that they are developing a Terminator anime series. I'm not sure what's going on with that pr- project. But Terminator does seem to have a pretty dark fate at the moment. No pun intended, but seriously. Um, there's been multiple comments where they are saying that they're not planning any new movies. And I, for one, am not too upset upset about that. No, I'm I'm fine. Kind of like Linda Hamilton, I'm, I'm fine if this is it. Yeah, I mean, perhaps it would be best at this point, you know, just... Put the franchise out of its misery. Until it's once again being brought back up and rebooted something like, I don't know, 10 to 20 years from now. Just like everything else from from your childhood. Ghostbusters, G.I. Joe, Transformers. Most likely can reboot someday. You know, can't wait to see it. Yeah. But so... Can we kind of recap, wrap it? Why did the Terminator franchise fail to live up to... Cameron's original vision or whatever. It didn't fail. <laughs> at, at least on that. Unless Cameron's original vision was something more, to make more movies than just two. In that case, you know, it's a goddamn mistake. An epic failure, so to say. I think there's many reasons, but overall these movies are movies are just too dumb. Mm-hmm. The first two movies, I, I admit that the even, well, I, I guess I was kind of a being Pretending at least to be some kind of a snobby kid. Um, I wasn't excited to watch a Terminator movie because I just looked at the title and Terminator. Are you kidding me? What can this be? So I start watching it and I feel a little embarrassed. But then I realized that, hey, this this is actually a pretty good movie. And so I kind of secretly <laughs> liked that movie. God, I was such a snobby piece of shit. Um, and those had a lot of things underneath to tell the things that we have already been discussing here ad nauseum but but there's a lot of things that go wrong with the with the with the sequels there's bad acting i think there's lack of real motivation of doing anything except money and paycheck 
there's bad writing, just awful, awful dialogue. I, I'm just gonna raise Terminator 3 to the stick here. Bad dialogue. Weak character arcs, in some cases, definitely weak character arcs. Characters that we don't really care about. Disposable characters. There's kind of insane decisions done to some lead characters with sudden deaths. You can talk about the furlong case as much as you want it. But there are those, and there's just corny dialogue, corniness overall, and the constant referencing to the, 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 to the past dialogue and events just cheapening the films and the structure. Yeah. And the constant actor changes must have been alienating the fans. It certainly is alienating when John Connor is played by a new actor in every goddamn film. So there's kind of the lack of continuity. Of course, the timelines are different, and of course, they are different production houses and all that, but then there was... Um, the cinematography it just seems to drop drop quite steeply from the quality seen in, for example, T2, where I think it was kind of fine-tuned and you could have gone with that, but, you know, ADHD cutting and filmmaking of these days as well, not helping the situation. The repetition of the story truck structures, a major issue that I see in T3, largely predictable, all the steps of the way, and... Just a lack of purpose in these films, like, so predictable, a very little story to tell. The biggest problem is that this franchise never advanced to anywhere. Yeah. Salvation attempted. It it tried to go into some direction other than just doing the same film once again. That didn't pan out, and outside of Salvation... This this didn't advance. They just make the make the same movie again and again and again. Beat for beat, plot line for plot line, action scene for action scene. In Genesis, uh, no, I mean in Dark Fate, T one thousand, T T eight hundred. For fuck's sake, these names. But T eight hundred says for John falls down, kills the bad bad. Terminator Kai in, in a self-sacrifice thing, kind of just like in, in Judgment Day when T-800 says something motivational and falls down and melts down in a he- heroic self-sacrifice moment. Well, there's nothing really motivational at the proper end of the film. At least uh, the other films, I feel, have had some kind of a emotional BS to go with it to the end credits. But this is just, I won't let her die again. You need to be ready. Roll credits. Drive the car away. That's it. Well, Genesis didn't have any emotional either. It's it it's Sarah Connor realizing that she's free of her fate, and for the first time in her life, she can make decisions for herself, being not limited by the omnipresent fate that she has been carrying over up until that point. So now she can choose a man for like from her heart someone who she cares about and get a job have a family have a have kids whatever she wants and the first thing she does is i guess she hooks up with Reese, the dude who he she has no chemistry whatsoever and they shared like one locker room talk before but she has to do that, you know, because Kyrie's has to put sperm in, in Sarah Connor. Which we are reminded of in so several... So that John Connor can <laughs> once again something, something, even though it's years too late and can't help the human resistance. Wow. It's kind of a downer ending. Well, 
does your notes contain any other juicy stuff like more timeline analysis or are we going to the quickies next? We can just go to the quickies. Special mention for an actor goes to... On my end, the moon blood good for having the best name a person can have. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll go with Arnold. Um, his perseverance with the series for whatever that is worth in these sequels. And a bonus shout out definitely to Christian Bale. Bring to attention some very tiny itsy bitsy role in the film that you found somehow worth highlighting for whatever reason could be even an extra screen on a half a second performance could be great horrible fun odd etc. I'm gonna move Terminator in salvation. I didn't see some of those assholes previously. Well done. <laughs> I'll go with uh, I'll go with Ibyonhon from his performance as T1000 in Genesis. It was it was good. I think it was a good choice for playing T1000. But yeah. What resonated with you the most, or the least? Mm, well, uh, action was at times enjoyable. Not memorable, but enjoyable. Well, <clears throat> it resonated how lazy these movies are, imagination-wise. They're poorly written, as said. No heart or no understanding of what the fans might be wanting. We just know, don't need an explosion of new characters we don't care about, if you're not going to build them properly, or new super twists. Well, in quotation marks. And... Yeah, the the first two terminators also they are quite simple at their core. If you don't take into account the whole whole human life and robots thing, they are they are road trip movies really, but just with time travel guns and terminators. And with that's what Jonathan Mosto at least got right about what might be a good thing to do about Terminator Three. He wanted it to be a road road trip movie, and goddamn. They are road trip movies, so right. In one adjective, how would you describe the films? Rehash. Wasted. Favorite quote, if any. <laughs> no. Poor oh. George. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, for, mine is also from, from Genesis. Kyle Reese going, quote, straight line. You just go and you don't look back, end quote. And it's been a straight line watching these films and I intend not to go back. <laughs> and maybe... Bonus remark for the Sarah Connor in Genesis. Uh, they're in the parking lot. After having seen the, the robot, John has been shot, has recovered and made a few planned remarks. And then Sarah then draws the gun and says determinedly, it's not John. And no shit. Do you think the films have any staying power or legacy? The franchise has individual movies from, from these sequels, no. Yeah, on the same lines that these will be remembered... These three, four, five, six as failed movies. And, well, it's not been helped by how many times the creators themselves said, oh, that was shit, I think we're gonna try something new again. And then they don't. But the, it's a franchise now. So franchises sell movies, so there will be always sales for these films. As I have been saying many times in this podcast, so if you take that approach. But would you put the films in some kind of order of preference? Maybe you include the 1 and 2 as well? Uh, no, I actually won't be including 1 and 2. Yeah, um, it's kind of obvious where they are, right? Yeah. From my end, uh, Salvation is the best, by far. There, there is a long drop and it's dark fate. I guess Terminator 3 and the last place would be, well, Genesis shit. <laughs> yeah, for me, the second one has kind of resonated always the most. I even made my own kind of parody whatever monster movie of that. So Judgment Day, I'm talking about the, the early ones and then the original Terminator, obviously. And then, then it becomes a little messier, but Salvation 
and then it gets really hard but my i guess rise of the machines and then dark fate and genesis they're all a mess but you really know you're watching the bad terminator sequels when all you can learn from them is that for humans to survive you need to have sex yeah surprise you also know you're watching these films when desire is irrelevant i am a machine I don't, on my end, I can't understand what you mean. You really know you are wa- watching, because you have already seen these ones. Once in 1984 and the second time in 1991. <laughs> Did you like the films? Fuck no. I, yeah. I didn't hate Salvation. Yeah, I would say that these were all a complete waste of my time. I was entertained well by some select moments there. I, jo- I enjoyed some Dark Fate action. To a point, and I kind of in- enjoyed, as I mentioned, the kind of other destruction of property in Terminator 3, but goddamn. Would you watch these films again is the next natural question. And the natural answer is no. Yeah. In, in fact, like, I, I'm not certain that I will even revisit the franchise itself outside of like the first two movies. Yeah, no. Yeah, no thanks. I think I'm done with these sequels. And God, I've seen the... the Terminator 2 and 1 so many times that I was kind of thinking about it, should I watch them, but no, no thank you, I've seen them to death, I can take a break out of those two. Would you recommend the films? I wouldn't recommend any of these ones, not not the like the later sequels, Yeah. no, absolutely no recommendation. The quality here ranges, it, it ranges from okay to brain-hurtingly stupid. Yeah. And... Like if you if you land on the okay end of films, kind of mo- many many of these movies are somewhere on the okay part. E- even Dark Fate and and like Terminator Three, my opinion, they 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 are somewhere like they are they are really lesser okays, but they they ain't like absolute like incoherent messes that absolutely just drive me crazy. Genesis is 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 is. is. Uh, is is like I just can't stand that movie. I absolutely like like hate Genesis. The, the other others are somewhere in in the okay bar. So if you happen to land on any of those, if it if it's free on s- streaming, well, uh, like, like you can check them out. But I I most definitely I wouldn't recommend any of these. Not not even Salvation. It's the most easily recommendable film here because at least it's nothing else. It, it it has fairly competent acting and some of the action works. But at least it has a new plot line. That's a lot to say when we are dealing with this franchise. But even even Salvation, it's not like recommend recommendation worthy. I can't actually see any reason why I would say to anyone that you should check out Terminator Salvation, except you know. Just to see a new plotline, mm. but but that that's really no. Watch Apocalypse Now instead. Yeah, you you actually get the same shots done better and more epic because more more forest gets blown up in the napalm dropping shot in Apocalypse Now than in Terminator Salvation. So it's even even like better. You you get better explosion scene in Apocalypse. And to be absolutely honest, I, like I already said. I, I do know someday there will be a next Terminator film. It, it's going to be a reboot, it's going to be a sequel, it's going to be whatever. And at this point, I'm like so fed up with these sequels. I'm so fed up with being like offered the exact same shit, but time after time again, that 
I'm not. In fact, I'm. I'm not certain that I will. I'm not gonna say I will never watch the next Terminator movie because the odds are that you know after years have passed, maybe I watch it. If nothing else, just as a you know a background noise to use as a cool off material. I mean, it's masturbation. So obviously, I'm, I'm not gonna say I'm never gonna see it, but I will not go to theaters. I will not see it. When it lands fresh on streaming, I most definitely will not get a streaming service in order to see the next Terminator movie. I'm so goddamn fed up with this franchise. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it many times in this podcast. These franchises don't always go really right. It's actually, it's, it's kind of terrifying and bafflingly funny at the same time. But the nostalgia baiting and at just, you know, referencing bunch of old shit that has been in the first first movies in Terminator it's 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 on such of a level that even even the fucking Hellraiser franchise wasn't this bad mm-hmm. and it, it's a franchise that can't have a movie without the puzzle box and and the Cenobites and being here dear listener would you recommend these films please don't but if you absolutely must you can share it on our social media pages yeah yeah but any thoughts before the outro, or is that that? I don't know what else to say about any of these <laughs> bloody things. Please, Hollywood, stop making this. Not much. I, I got, I, I'm not kidding, Hollywood. Please, stop making Terminator movies. Make better films, Hollywood, altogether, please. Yeah. And These used to be movies where people got hurt, and, like, Schwarzenegger shoots a liquid metal man, and it feels physical. And now we are at the point where the violence is downright superhero level. Like there, there, are like, there are these epic punches, and people are flying all over the place. And they, they land on, you know, cabinets and, and workbenches and, I, I don't know, fucking energy turbines and what have you. And they get shot in the face with a, with a shotgun blast from, you know, right next to them. And none of that has an impact. Yeah. We, we we got we got from from the point where a liquid man points his finger through a security guard's guard's eyeball and kills this into a superhero films. Oh, that's true. Why do I feel so much of the time that these are some kind of Marvel Marvel movies that I'm watching? Well, Dark Fate that might have terminated the chances of sequels permanently, but we all know that the future is not set. So hey, you know. Everything can happen, but as I noted, Linda Hamilton said that she would be quite happy to never return, and that she is not hopeful for the sequels, because she would really love to be done. And I agree with her. I'm yeah, done. S- same here. But in we can, ne- Perhaps we can form like a therapy group. The two of us and Linda Hamilton, perhaps <laughs> all the other Terminator fans. Yeah. yeah. They can be, then we can be done together in a safe space. Yeah, Terminator therapy group. In the next episode... We just have to plan it out. I have no idea what we're going to discuss. And that's how it's been going for, for quite some time now. We just kind of figure it on the go. Yeah, but uh, we promise that the next episode will be new material about new film with a new plotline. <laughs> and yeah, if you want to continue this conversation, even after these several hours with us online, you can do that on our social media pages and we'll help you leave us a rating on wherever you 
prefer to do that. Apple Podcasts is one place to do that. Okay, yeah, thanks for joining us this time, and we will see you in a fortnight. On the then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm with a now, Rick, to stay here. Mm-hmm. Two. Yeah.